name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the one God, Amen. I don't know about you, but I feel like the Lent went very fast. It's just like, seems like a few days ago, I was thinking of what we're going to eat in Lent. But thank God everything works out, as, as it does every year. Well, we're here. We've been at the beginning of Passion Week. A week full of wonderful readings and insights. A week that is deep with spiritual exercises. And this week is the best week that we benefit out the entire year. This is why I want you every day when you come to concentrate on the readings. As Abunamak said, I think it was yesterday or today, this morning, that some of you bring your own books of readings, but you can read them maybe during the psalm that's being uh, sung. But concentrate on what's be, being read from the Psalms and the Old Testament books. Because most of these Old Testament books tell us about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can contemplate on that. Many, many prophecies coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for those who enjoy praying their Agbeya this week, you're, you're having a break. There's no Agbeya this week, and this is why. Um, the Agbeya and its prophecies or Psalms talk about the advent of Christ and his birth, and this is why we don't read it. And instead, the church has substituted the 12 Psalms of each hour with the Thorpe Tetigorn. It's a bit of history there. Um, what I want you to concentrate on, hopefully tonight and this entire week, is the cross and the person that's being crucified on it. Christ, out of his pure love for each one of us, came, suffered, and was crucified because he loves us. And this is why we say when you're married, it's a crucifixion. It's a sacrifice, a sacrifice of love. And I'm sure the fathers know this more than me, and you do. You have to love each other as much as you can. The cross was a symbol of disgrace. It was a symbol of hate. Criminals were crucified on it. But when Christ came and was crucified, it became a symbol of honor became a symbol of strength, became a symbol of life. Thousands of years ago, our ancestors, and we should be proud of them, the pharaohs, they actually had the symbol of the cross. They called it the Ankh. And this Ankh is, was a symbol of the key of life. And our key of life is this cross. We have it everywhere. You wear it. You have it in the church, you have it in your homes, you have it in your cars, you have it in your life. So it's a symbol of life that we carry, a symbol of love. So let's look at the events from yesterday until today, and we'll see how this symbol of life came to be, or the love of the cross 
the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday we call it Lazarus Saturday. Now it's a funny day because it's in between Lent and Passion Week. And even the tunes, there's no sad tunes to it, there's no shining tunes to it, there's no basket tunes to it. So it's a funny day. But it's when our Lord Jesus Christ rose Lazarus from the dead. We call this Saturday a bridge, a bridge between Lent and Passion Week. A bit of history here for those who like history. Lent until the second century was straight away, the fasting, the 40 days fasting was straight away after Epiphany. When Jesus was baptized, he straight away went to the mountain and fasted and was tempted. But then we know Pope Demetrius I, our second, sorry, 12th patriarch in the second century, he decided that because there's a lot of preparation for Passion Week, as you can see, the churches, and uh, we prepare a lot for it. And not just that, spiritually, you have to be spiritually prepared. So this fasting of Lent helps us to be prepared. So he said, let's make the 40 days just um, in front of Passion Week. Now, the added to the 40 days was the preparation week. I don't know about you, but I have some thoughts about that. Um, it looks like one of these popes loves fasting, so he added this extra week for us. I don't know why. But it was actually Pope Adronicus, and he was the 37th patriarch in the 7th century. So for 600 years, they didn't fast this week. Well, we're lucky then. <laughs> when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead in Bethany, this town is a very, very small town and uh, a very poor town indeed. And it is where Mount Olives is situated. It's around two miles south east of Jerusalem, which is a 55 minute walk by foot. And Jesus and his disciples, every night, they would go to Bethany and stay either in the Garden of Gethsemane or with uh, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Just a, a reflection here about Lazarus coming forth from the dead. Each one of you think about this. If you died and Jesus brought you back. What would change in your life? Think about it. What would you change in your life? What would you do with your loved ones? What would you do with your careers? Would you change your careers? What would you do with your spouse? Would you change your spouse? Would you have children or no children? What about your spiritual life? Would it be more than what it was? Coming back forth for a second life would change your life now. Think about it. Instead of dying and coming back 
Live and change what you can now, knowing what is right from wrong. Because Jesus brought back Lazarus, the town of Bethany were excited and happy, so they made a feast for him. And that was last night, a supper. And most of the people were there, and, and also his disciples. Martha was serving our Lord. Mary did something very interesting. We all know what she did. She came down, worshipped Christ at his feet, and started to pour the spikenard oil. We know that's very, very expensive oil. And she started wiping it with her hair. What act of love. What act of humility. Thanking him for bringing her brother back to life. Now you must understand, during this era, during this time, it was very difficult for women or girls to live on their own. So having a brother to support them was really, really important. And that's why they needed their brother with them. He lived, he became a bishop uh, for Cyprus and he lived another 30 years, Lazarus. But what he said, or what he, what he felt, we don't know, because the Bible and our fathers don't say anything about what he saw when he went down to Hades. Because remember, before Christ, everyone went down to Hades. And imagine seeing the sufferings. I know, I think some of the fathers said that he didn't speak much about it. Obviously, it was sad and stressful and he didn't talk about it that much. But a few days prior to this, what Mary did, the sinful woman did the same thing. She came and Jesus was in the, the Pharisee's house. So there are two events for this. And she did the same. Instead of pouring the oil on his feet, she poured it on his head. And also she, she wiped his feet with her tears and wiped it with the hair of her head. Now, you must understand that the hairful woman is pride. This is why when you come to church, we, we cover our heads because of the glory that's in front of you. And the Sherubim and the Seraphim also cover their heads and their feet in front of our Lord, covering the glory that's in the presence of our Lord. St. John said about the fragrant oil when Mary poured it, that the house was filled with the fragrant oil. You can imagine that smell, very, very strong. And of course, he comes Judas, he says, why? And look at the different intentions. Mary, the act of love, Judas comes and says his intentions. Why, why do this? Why don't we just save it and, and, and sell it for the poor? Of course, he's not thinking of the poor, is he? He's thinking of himself. Then Jesus rebukes him and says, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. And surely indeed, the morning of the resurrection, she did take this oil and go to the tomb of Jesus. Mary 
completely did an action of love. Judas, with his loud mouth, just said, why, why are we doing this? Reflect on this for a second. If you were Mary right now, at the feet of Christ, what would be the most valuable thing in your life that you could offer to the feet of Christ? What type of oil do you have? Is it very expensive oil, spikenard? Or is it just simple oil? Well, you don't have any oil at all like the five foolish virgins. What oil do you have? God wants your unconditional love. Just like the widow of the two mites who put in her livelihood from her needs. This is what God wants from you. Anna, the, the mother of the Virgin Mary, gave Mary to the temple. Even the mother of Samuel in the Old Testament gave him to the temple also. Now I'm not saying the mothers to do this because we'll have a boom of children here. We can't take care of them, so don't do that. But even Moses, uh, even Abraham, out of his complete love to God, was offering his only son Isaac. Can we ever have more love than this? This morning we see the triumphal entry of our Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem and the people shouting Hosanna in the highest, save us now. Save us, O King. Become our King and save us from the captivity and torment that we are having. The Romans used to impose strict taxes and strict rule of life and they wanted the earthly king to save them from this bondage. But Christ did come and save them. He saved them from the slavery of sin and he saved them from the sting of death. A week later, because they didn't get what they wanted, what did they do? Get rid of him, crucify him, crucify him. They rejected him. We, we do the same, don't we? We ask for something, we don't get it, what do we do? I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to go to church. I don't want to know you anymore. You're not listening to me. You're not. We get a lot of that. It's very sad. The Passover, Jesus was the sacrifice of the Lamb. Today, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world entered Jerusalem. 1,500 years earlier, the Jews were released from the slavery of Egypt, the time when they were captives in Egypt. And God commanded them to sacrifice a lamb. The lamb was a sign to release from the bondage of sin. Christ today is this lamb. Reflect on now I don't I don't mean anything by this, but if you were the donkey entering Jerusalem 
and carrying our Lord Jesus Christ on your back. And seeing all this glory and the people shouting, what would you feel? Are you the person who would feel proud and, and, and say, wow, go and tell all the other donkeys, look, I have the king on my back, you don't have him. Or you're a humble person who says, I'm not worthy to have our Lord and carry him. Which one are you? Would you attribute the glory to Christ himself? Or would you yourself take the glory? When, when, you, when people thank you for something that you do, do you always say, thank God, I didn't do anything? Or do you take the glory and say, yeah, yeah, I did it, I, I took time to do this, and thank you for, for saying that. Always be thankful to the Lord, no matter what, no matter how much you did. Tonight's Gospel readings tell us of Christ's upcoming of his death and his resurrection. And Jesus is teaching us to direct our love to him, not to the world, and put it first in our life, the love of the cross. If you want to serve him, you need to follow him, follow the cross to Gethsemane. And in doing that, the Father will honor you. We saw tonight, the third and ninth hours, we read the famous story where Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? And of course, Peter confesses and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Christ in turn replies to Peter and says, the son of man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. He used to not say any of this. He didn't explain any of this except in parables. But now it's leading up to his crucifixion, he had to be straightforward. In life we will meet people like this. They're not straightforward, so do not be upset from them. Sometimes they need time to explain to you some deep things in their lives especially in relationships. You don't need to know everything about the person in front of you to get to know him. It takes many, many years. So if he or she are speaking in parables and you don't understand them, be patient with them. At the end, they will tell you what you want to know. Do not be upset from them. Reflection, put yourselves in Peter's shoes. And ask yourself this question, who do you say that I am? What would you reply? Who is Jesus to you right now? Is he really in your life? Is he rooted deep in your life? And then you can say, he is my Lord and my Savior who saved me on the cross. The cross is the place of love. The love of God is far more stronger than death. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life.
The cross bore two things, death and life. Not just death. Life was in our Lord's, not death. For example, when he was dying, what did he say to the thief on the right hand? You'll be the first one in paradise with him. That's life, isn't it? That's not death. When he was dying on the cross, he made the dead rise. That's life, not death. When he was dying on the cross, he forgave those who crucified him. This is life, not death. The love of the cross is Jesus. This is what you have to remember tonight, throughout the week. The symbol of love is this cross. Keep it in your hearts and look at it. The cross is freedom. When Christ was on the cross and on top of the, the earth, he was like a bird, free as a bird. If you want to be free, follow the cross. And follow any pain and any suffering that comes to you. We're still in Passion Week. I know in Lent we, we all had some problems, normal. Passion Week, you might have some problems too coming up. So be strong and let things pass by until the resurrection feast and you'll be fine. Glory be to God for and ever. Amen.